This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for your daily dose of all things Chicago sports. This is the Daily Score. Now, here's your host, Mark Grody. Hi there, and welcome into the Daily Score. I am Mark Grody, along with our executive producer, Ray Diaz, and we are definitely starting the show talking about the Chicago Cubs because they come up with a big 3-2 win over the Mets. You'd think with you know, five runs scored total in this game, there would not have been a lot of consequential offensive moments, but there certainly were in this game, including Mike Talkman, the amazing Mike Talkman, just keeps making big plays and coming up with big hits. The kid from Palatine, the Palatine pounder went to Bradley university, but it was a massive hit that he had in the eighth inning of the game last night. Cubs and Mets were tied at two. And then this three, two in the air, left field, pretty well struck that one back on its way. Can't stop him. Can only hope to contain him, right, Boo? Just such a sound baseball player. And I don't know if he's going to be with the Cubs in the future, but what a contributor he has been to this season. And when he came up, it was like, who is this guy? Oh, okay. So he's from Palatine. Big deal. Why is Mike Talkman playing? The guy is just a solid baseball player. Also made a terrific defensive play in that same eighth inning. So Mike Talkman, man continues to do great things for the Chicago Cubs. The next guy I want to talk about is Jamison Tyone, who is slowly but surely putting together a nice second half of the season. It's been imperfect. He did what the Cubs did in the first game of the series, and that is give up a home run to Pete Alonzo. Gives up a two-run blast in the first inning, a ball that looked like it was just going to be off the wall for an RBI double. But the replay clearly showed that the ball did go over the line and it was a two run homer, no doubt about it. So Tyone from the beginning, it's like, ah, here we go again, um, gives up the early runs, but man, did he settle in last night, ended up Tyone with seven innings, two runs on seven hits and seven strikeouts. And that's the kind of stuff you need. That's why a guy like that is here. That's why he gets a multi-year contract like he did with the Chicago Cubs to be a real part of this team. And he's starting to become a real part of this team. Next guy I want to talk about is Adbert freaking Alzali. 11 straight saves now, I think it is, for him. What a revelation he has been. You know, from starter to reliever to starter to closer to closer, and he's thriving in the role. 
and he gets off on it. It's like it's just sort of a perfect marriage for him as well. Gets Dan Vogel back, big Dan Vogel back to ground into a double play to end the game. I was thinking about Vogel back too, the former Cub. I do believe that Vogel back will be a Cub again someday. It just feels like it. Everybody always could use a hitter. And Dan Vogelback, you know, he's getting around now, you know, starts off in the Cubs organization, goes to Seattle. Cubs get Mike Montgomery back in that course. That worked out, right? Because Mike Montgomery, last man standing in the World Series. But Vogelback's played, you know, for Seattle, Toronto, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and the Mets. He'll make his way to the Cubs for sure at some point in time. I also feel like Vogelback will have played for a probably, I'm going to say 17 teams by the time his career is over. He's great to have. He's just not keepable. You know what? You want to rent. You don't want to buy when it comes to Vogelback. I mean, there's some suspect parts of his game, 30 years old these days. So I do predict that Dan Vogelback will be a cub again someday. And then, hey, why not? Cody Bellinger doing his thing last night as well. Take a listen to this. That is hammered right field on its way down. Cody Bellinger unloads number 17, a belly bomb, and the Cubs have cut the deficit in half. 2-1. 2-1. All of his home runs just look devastating. He continues to look and be dangerous at the plate. Cody Bellinger going deep as well. Jamer Candelario. Every once in a while, you get one right when you add somebody at the trade deadline, and the Cubs got this one right. Jamer Candelario with another couple of hits, and kind of nice that he was playing at the Mets in New York this weekend. It reminded me of July 3rd, 2016, when Jamer Candelario made his debut. I was there. I was doing pre and post, and I remember it kind of took everybody off guard. It was sort of a surprise. Nobody had suspected that Candelario, who we'd been hearing about a lot, like he was the next guy after all the parade of players had made their way to the big leagues between 2015 and 2016. And then there's this one last guy, the second round pick, Chris Coglin. Remember Chris Coglin? Coglin goes on the DL. They bring up Jamer Candelario. They immediately put him into the game. Then they send him back down a few days, I think like four or five days later. And he stays in Iowa or wherever they sent him for the rest of the year, did not come back to the bigs, but he got a ring. He got his portion, his playoff portion, his World Series portion and all that, because he was obviously traded the next season when the Cubs ended up getting two guys. Do you remember who those two guys were? Alex Avila, the catcher, and uh uh-oh. Sometimes trades don't work out, too. Justin Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Justin Wilson did not work. The lefty reliever was supposed to be really good for the Cubs in the back end of that bullpen and just getting lefties out, and it just didn't work out with Justin Wilson. One other thing about this Cubs 3-2 win last night, just very entertaining game all around, was now two nights ago in New York, it seemed like the Mets people sort of, I don't even know who to blame it on, the umpires, but they had that rain delay where they were working on the mound for 10 minutes while the rain was pouring down, and then they kind of flubbed putting the tarp out on the field. So they had all that weirdness, the the long rain delay two nights ago when the Cubs ended up losing that game. Last night, they had a pitch com 
problem. The device where the pitchers and catchers hook up on what pitch they're going to throw, the Mets Pitchcom device was not working, which meant, coincidentally, that the Cubs were not allowed to use theirs either. So just good old-fashioned throwing numbers down by the catcher. But Boog Shambi and Joe Girardi, very entertaining, trying to figure out what in the hell was going on with Pitchcom. Little malfunction already, Boog. Headset malfunction. Brasco just handed Pitchcom over to Buck Showalter, and now that's going to bring in the four-man umpiring crew. The plate umpire is Lance Barrett. The crew chief is Alfonso Marquez, and he's at second. So I'm not sure what they're discussing here. I mean, we saw it happen earlier this year as Kyle Hendricks took the mound. He took too long to warm up. In some ballparks, you don't even see the clock. I didn't notice whether the clock was on. So I'm not sure what they're calling back for. Yeah, it looks like they're going to go over and explain it to David Ross now. I mean, it looked like Buck took the pitch comp from him. He did. And he's still standing outside the dugout, so you would think that they would bring him another one if that's what he needed, but. All right, so it's being related right now that the pitch comp system is down? <laughs> that's what I just heard being communicated down here. The entire pitch comp system is down for the Mets, so they're trying to figure out how to handle it. All right, so Buck Showalter is out there. Oh, top of my head, that doesn't make a ton of sense just in terms of. I, I've seen it happen before, Boog, and it usually takes them an inning or two to get it back up. And what they do is, I, I think when one side can't use it, they say both sides can't use it. So he's got to inform David Ross that they can't use it as well. You know, delays happen frequently at this ballpark for some reason. Man, we had one last night. Yeah. And Carrasco finishing his warm-up pitches. I mean, this is one of those things where they have a microphone. They really should let the fans of the ballpark know what's happening right now, why the start of the game is being delayed. Yeah, unbelievable. Get on the microphone, somebody. They know what's going on. Boog Shambi, Joe Girardi, Taylor McGregor on Marquee Sports Network. Like, they figured it out. Taylor's down there on the field. She had it figured out, but not, hey, no reason to let the fans know. It's a guessing game. Hey, it's baseball. Anything can happen. You know, the great American mystery sport. But yeah, it's, technical difficulties have been prevalent in New York. But most importantly, the Cubs win the game by a final score of three to two. Let me get to the Bears here. Let's close it out with some Bears today. The Bears have their first preseason game on uh, Saturday at noon. At Soldier Field, probably the Bears will, my guess is, we're going to find this out later today, my guess is a couple of series, the starters, well, the starters are going to play. A couple of series, maybe two or three, something like that. We'll see. We'll see. You know, th with the three preseason games, we'll find out what Matt Eberflus is thinking in regards to that. One thing I wanted to talk about from the practice on Tuesday for the Bears yesterday is Matt Eberflus 
set up a pretty cool thing at the end of practice, and that was the one-minute drill, not the two-minute drill, the one-minute drill. Ball goes onto the 50-yard line. It ended in a Cairo Santos field goal after Justin Fields had to ground the ball with .6 left on the clock, which was wild because it just—it was one of those times where, I mean, you've seen those games a million times in the NFL where it's the Bears or any other team where you're like, come on, come on, get, you got to get everybody back around the huddle, you got to ground the ball, stop the clock, and the Bears just were barely able to do it. Cairo Santos, to his credit, kicks the 50-yard field goal out on field two in Lake Forest yesterday. But Cole Komet, the tight end for the Chicago Bears, had a lot to say about the one-minute drill. And after we hear from Cole Komet, I'll fill in some blanks and give you some nuggets from the Bears as well. Yeah, that was good. Um, they they ripped me on a uh, OPI to start it off, so um, that was great. Um, I looked at the film, eh, but, you know, whatever. And uh, so they, they called that, that and, and, you know, we kind of had to fight back through that, and we were able to, you know, get in field goal range there and, and get the field goal there to win it. So, um, you know, all these situations that were working are awesome, and, um, we got a lot of them. We got a lot, lot more to go before the end of camp. But you know, these are all things we wrap so that you know when the moment comes up and these end of game situations happen, like we, we've had these uh, this past year, um, we can go out and execute and win the game. Feelings right in the final second there. Get yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what it's about. So um, you know that, that that's the difference in the NFL. So you got to be able to execute in those moments, know what everyone's doing, and you know everyone on the sidelines got to be in tune. You know, the field goal unit, all those things. So um, like I said, just good situations to rep. What do you like about where the offense is right now, and where are you kind of focusing on where you guys can be better? Yeah, um, well, I, th- I still think we can just get better at overall execution-wise, playing and play out. Um, you know, I, I definitely, you definitely see the details showing up um, where they weren't there last year. Uh, guys definitely have a better understanding of the offense, so that's that's been cool to see. Um, you know, Justin's operation in two minute and end of half situations, uh, he's calling plays like that, that's kind of cool. That's awesome to be a part of and. Uh, he knows what he wants to do, what he wants to get done. So uh, things feel like they're operating a little more smoothly maybe than they were at this time last year. But uh, like I said, we still got a long way to go. That execution on that one-minute drill, I mean, it wasn't just the OPI, like you said. There was also the sack, that third and long, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, that, all of that specifically, do you think, like, that's a sign of growth? Last year, it seemed like if you guys got behind the sticks, that might have been it. Do you see this as an opportunity, like, okay, yeah, we're, we're really building. We got way behind the sticks in one-minute drill. Yeah, like, I don't want to say, like – Signs of growth. We got to go do it in games, you know. And like this is practice still, and like we we are doing these things in practice, and it's it's awesome to see. And like I feel like we're executing really well. But like what matters is the game. So like we got to go do this, and we can we can talk about growth when we see it in games. Like and that's that's for real. Um, but like all these practice situations are preparing us for that. So it's good that we're we're executing now and we're doing those things now. But we got to carry these over uh, when it when it's for real. That is Cole Komet making absolute sense. That's good warning for all of us that. Whatever highlights we're giving you from camp, understand that it's very different when you're playing against your own team as opposed to full speed. That's why I can't wait for the first, you know, in terms of like this first preseason game, I just can't wait to see line play. I mean, I know we all want to see what Justin Fields can do, and that'll still be the top story. But for my eyes and probably a lot of my colleagues, too, it's very difficult for us to express what an offensive line or defensive line is doing right now because there is just so little real hitting. That was another unpadded practice yesterday. But also in that one minute drill where, you know, Cole Komet, as he said, the offensive pass interference penalty, the sack, I think it was Rasheem Green that got the sack. A lot of Dominique Robinson with the first string with Demarcus Walker out and injured 
in this game. So I think he might even had a sack in the game as well. See, those are hard to tell as well. You just have to kind of guess sometimes with the sacks. But in the one-minute drill, Tyler Scott had a nice grab down the middle, probably about 20 yards or so. DJ Moore with just one that got them into the field goal range to begin with, so good on those guys. Tariq Stevenson, and you can look at the good and bad of this. Tariq Stevenson taking off a deep ball from Justin Fields. Fields hung it up there just a little bit too long, but you got to give credit to Tyreek Stevens for making the play on a pass that was intended for Darnell Mooney. A couple other things, too. You should know that Nate Davis, the offensive lineman, did return to practice. I didn't really see him doing much real practice in the game, but Jatari Carter was in there, the second-year offensive lineman, Jatari Carter, playing uh, at that right guard position also missing still Tremaine Edmonds Kyler Gordon Eddie Jackson was out Roshan Johnson Jaquan Brisker I mentioned Demarcus Walker so that's again it's like a broken record in terms of getting work with your teammates and the cohesiveness is not a good thing and I'm hoping that we don't hear that there are any serious injuries. Matt Eberflus said that if it is serious, he'll let us know. If it's not, we're just supposed to guess and that it's day-to-day and we'll see. So we'll find out. And by the way, Yannick Ngakwe, he was out there, did not practice. I mean, he was going through the warm-ups. This was a premeditated thing that he was going to warm up and just kind of watch and they're going to ramp him up. So no issues with him. I doubt he's going to play much in the game on Saturday, but we shall see. We're going to find all that out from Matt Eberflus very shortly. So that's what we have for you today. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to or watching The Daily Score. It means a lot to me. also means a lot to our executive producer, Ray Diaz. Hope you guys have a good day, and we'll talk to you later on. Bye-bye.